0: I don't know why I even try. I forgot my iPad. So I brought my laptop. I forgot my charging cable. I'm not doing well. (laughs) You've taken like seven trips up and down the stairs. (laughs) I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) that
1: the cable was in the truck, you come back up defeated. You open up your iPad. I am
0: defeated. The iPad dies. <laughs> <Here> we are <laughs> scrambling around. It's ridiculous. You know what? I'm going tech free. Good luck. It's our tenth episode. It is our tenth episode. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. We made it. It's because of you, our listeners. I thought you were
1: saying it's because of me. I was like, no, dude, it's because of you. No,
0: it's all you. Do you think we still have listeners? I absolutely. Is anybody out there? <laughs> we're grateful to y'all for listening. Thank you. Welcome to You'll Die Trying. It's always time for. Mm -hmm. I'll let you say it, though. But it's your favorite thing. You should say it. (laughs) Coffee. It's time for coffee. (laughs) Yes. Can
1: you be overly... uh, Like, when you're sipping coffee, can you be... Like, overly gross? Yeah. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) And it wouldn't be the fault of the coffee. No, not this coffee, anyway. This coffee's delicious.
0: John Conte coffee has changed uh, some things around here, and I'm grateful and you know what? I'm grateful that uh, I have the opportunity to serve it in my practice now. I know. You, you texted me the other day like, I want some K-Cups. Can I get some K-Cups? And I texted Stephanie.
1: Stephanie's like, yeah, go get some K-Cups. Thanks, Stephanie.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for the folks and to the folks of John Conte Coffee making my life better and uh, certainly making our podcast better. And I did hear from a friend uh, who lives in the Carolinas who has uh, just ordered some John Conti on Amazon because of hearing about it on our podcast.
1: That was really cool to see that screenshot. It's so awesome that 6,000 locations Nationwide are carrying this stuff. We're carrying them, like I said, in every single lounge and every family that we serve and care for. So reverently, they are receiving John Conti products.
0: Not just us, offices, restaurants, convenience stores, and factories across the land continuously evolving, growing the amenities they serve while always paying attention to the richest of quality and the best of customer care.
1: Visit johnconti.com. Please go to amazon.com and search John Conti to fill your belly with some delicious Conti products.
0: There are some things happening in our, our nation that are uh, generating some conversations. Definitely. And I wondered if we might want to uh, talk about that, not with specificity, but with generality, but purpose.
1: I'm okay with that. I think it's great. I think it's great to have a conversation.
0: <laughs> Podcasts without conversations. Are dead. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I'd like to have a conversation about the one thing that I think we all of us have in our power and in our possession— to change the course of uh, the human trajectory, the course of the direction of our lives, both individually and our lives together. And I think it is civility. Go on. I was reading recently that um, mental illness is the number two cause for disability, disability claims and disability from Uh, work in our country, according to the National Institute of Mental Health and their statistics. Among mental illnesses, depression is at the top. Depression is uh, four times more likely to occur in Americans than it was a generation ago, and 10 times more likely than two generations ago. Wow. So you add people who are uh, experiencing feelings of depression, clinically or non-clinically, and they of course are part of the workforce. So what effect does that have on the workforce? What effect does that have on companies, on job performance, on productivity? The numbers are staggering, three to $400 billion lost annually um, in companies because of the effects of, of how people are feeling. And I think in large part how people feel is affected by how we treat each other. Add to that the role that technology plays not that we're against it, obviously, here we are in a digital medium, but I don't know that we are very good at cultivating personal, vulnerable uh, relationships where trust is implicit and and uh, worked out and reliable. So I think we have a problem with mental illness. I think we now have a problem with productivity and job performance and satisfaction, and I think we have a problem with trust. And I think the antidote to that is civility. Previous podcast,
1: we were talking about naming things, right? And wouldn't, isn't mental health. Uh, it's, so, it's so silly that it's still so taboo, and I hate using that word. I hate using that word, but it it's embarrassing for most if not all, I would think.
0: There's still a stigma attached stigma,
1: to it. Stigma. It's so it's so dumb. I mean, we have all I think I've touched on it, we've all been down. Um, I've I've struggled with it. You know, whenever you're constantly having to be so much for yourself and so many others in the instance of being a leader in a business and home and all these other places in which people rely upon you, they don't wanna see your or so you think, they don't wanna see your weaknesses and mental Struggles uh, would be considered that I think to oneself. So people keep it bottled up. Next thing you know, their work, uh, their work suffers. Their life in general suffers. And the next thing you know, you have three hundred billion dollars in lost revenue. Not that that even let's take away the money aspect. I'm not comparing someone's.
0: No, it's just an indicator. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's it's what a I was marker. Uh, yeah, you have uh, high turnover, more sick days being claimed. Less productivity, and I, I I think that it's it's not depression isn't linked to one thing, and it isn't something that we 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 talk about lightly. It isn't something that we need to um, overprotect so that we don't talk about it either. And everybody's experience with depressive feelings and tendencies is different, just like uh, everybody's uh, identities, uh, DNA, and styles of grief are all different depending on who you are but i do think that it's helpful for us to take uh that satellite view and try to understand like what are the what are the factors that contribute to this and i do not think that that what i'm proposing is the only factor or the most important factor but i do know that one factor is that how we treat each other is affecting how people are are feeling and we've talked in a previous podcast about the fact that what other people think about us is none of our business but that's that takes work and intentionality and practice to be able to uh, accommodate that kind of of personal worldview and philosophy. It's that's not easy, easy to maintain. So yeah, what people say and how people treat us it, it matters. And uh, I know that there are people in in particular workplaces who feel um, ostracized, alienated, excluded, criticized, unwelcomed. Um, not to mention the bullying, the negativity, and all of that type of behavior, which is prevalent in adults as it is in adolescents and high school. Which blows
1: my mind. It really blows my mind. People grow up, be good to people. It's just crazy. Did
0: I ever tell you about the uh, conversation uh, that I read about with a priest who had been listening to confessions for like 70 years? You know, he was in his 90s. He was a young priest in formation and had in a sense, kept a kind of mental catalog of conversations with people with whom he had shared that, that rite of confession, that sacrament uh, of confession. And he said that at the end of the day, uh, he's learned two things. One of them is uh, that we really never learn very much. And the other one is that we really never grow up. And that's, I think that's true. I know that I have tendencies that I'm like. What am I? Nine? <laughs> I mean, why am I worried about that? Why am I making excuses for that? Why do I feel the impulse to like, you know, tell a, a tiny little white lie about that? Which, by the way, you know, sometimes there is a cause for a white lie. I want to, I want to put that out there again. Another little note of controversy. But uh, if if you're a, a a German civilian hiding Jews in your attic. In the 1930s and 40s and you tell the nazis at your door that you're not doing it you're 100 justified in lying about that do you agree yes in philosophy we call that a teleological suspension of the ethical a purposeful uh setting aside of this particular rubric for ethics in order to serve a higher good that demands another kind of rubric for ethics it's not something that we would do all the time but in a particular situation it makes sense I do that sometimes. I have this impulse to be like, no, I didn't just go to McDonald's 3 times. Well, I mean, you
1: playing and not playing, you being in the role that you're in when you see clients and people and people are like, "Oh, is you know, is Sammy a client?" You're like, "No." Yeah. I mean, I, have to, I do have to do let's that, let's be the honest. Time. That's so in your defense, I'm going to defend you in in regard to that. On Thank you. It's true. You're very welcome. On the aspect of uh, being a leader, in a place where you have all these dynamics and these people coming in, what would you recommend us do when you noticeably see someone that is probably struggling with depression? Let's be very just blunt about it. It's obviously not something I go and put my arm around somebody and be like, hey, you know, don't be depressed. Mm -hmm. What resources do you believe a leader should offer? We're lucky to have, you know, you and you go around on, on the regular that, uh, that I know about and probably more that I don't know, and you're out checking on our people, our team. What do you recommend people who don't have necessarily the resources, the Jonathan Carrolls or, you know... What do you What do you do?
0: Well, you know, I, and I've I've said this before. I'm sure I'll say it a hundred more times. But I, I think as a as a business leader, for instance, or even as a friend or family member, where you recognize that that somebody is is it's, 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 it's more than being down or having a rough day. I mean, you, you sense when someone is in a place where um, hope is uh, is just out of reach, or they're especially hard on themselves for a long period of time, or uh, you know, tremendous amount of insecurity. They don't believe in themselves. I think the most important thing that leaders and people can do, including just me and other people like me, regular everyday people, should reach out um, and listen, ask questions, uh, show empathy, really listen, affirm, validate, accept, and then offer um, whatever help you can you can think to offer at the moment. And if you're a business leader, you might want to encourage people to take. Uh, and make use of their uh, behavioral health uh, advantages uh, from their uh, their health insurance benefits if they have them, or to encourage them say, hey, you know, if, if you ever feel like you need to talk to somebody, I know somebody and they would be great. They would love to talk to you. Or encourage them to go to a, a support group of some kind. You know, and I don't think that we have to have all those resources at the ready because I think a, um, a major part of healing is. People being willing to kind of seek those things out on their own, uh, but if you have knowledge, oh well, hey, yeah, I've got a friend. He's he's a counselor. He's in your area, or he knows he's well connected. He knows about people. You know, give him a call, or let me reach out to him for you. But I think it's important that people take responsibility. You know, for that themselves. Just don't be afraid to talk about it. I think that's the biggest thing. We're always not always. Some people are often afraid to talk about things, even things as tragic and terrible as suicide. You know, just because we talk about it, you know, we, we tend to think, gosh, I don't want to plant that seed, you know, but that's not how it works. It's actually the opposite. If we don't talk about it, someone feels especially alone, and then that can actually be the thing that plants a seed. Wow. So I think we need to talk about things, and I think we need to strip the taboo and the stigma ourselves and be honest where you just said, hey, look, I struggle with it sometimes. Sometimes I've got to talk to somebody. Sometimes I've got to think about some things differently. That's my work. I know you have it too. Just know you're not alone. And just something that simple can be life changing. I think
1: it's great for me to continually hear. I think for you listeners, it's awesome to hear too. It's not out of um it's not out of line for you to be a human. Sure you do lead. Sure you do employ someone, but I mean, at the end of the day, you put your pants on the same way that they do. And um, I think people need to realize that they are uh, people, decent people, people that are supported and lifted up. So I appreciate you telling me that. I mean, if I see somebody down, I I, I do hesitate because it's almost like you have to create this continuous, I just had an aha moment. I I don't really want to you know, get too personal there, but I just had an aha moment. People are people and they deserve to be treated as such. And uh, just because there's an employer-employee relationship doesn't mean that there's not a human relationship uh, ability, if that even makes sense. I'm trying to just dumb it down, but thank you for sharing that, Jake.
0: Well, yeah, and you're welcome. Thank you for, for the invite to talk about that topic, because I think it's something that people really, uh, they struggle with, they live with. I think most people do, but we tend not to want to talk about it, whether it's ours or someone else's, because we feel like we're being invasive or intrusive. Trust that people will tell you to, you know, Politely or not so politely, mind your own business. There, uh, most of these people that with whom we would be having these conversations are adults, and they would say, "You know what? I'm just not in the space where I want to talk about it." And you could say, "You know what? I get that. Been there too. If you ever do need to talk, either I or I can make sure that you find whoever you do, or you can make sure you find someone with whom you can talk. Just know that you're not by yourself. Don't try to go it alone. There's no, um, uh, you know, no advantage to trying to do this by yourself. But all of that." I think is is taking a toll on businesses, especially when business leaders are feeling like they can't trust people um, because of the the distance created by our attempts to be connected through technology. When really it's just kind of a hit and run kind of style of you know social media, and there's no real interaction, no real intimacy. Um. So so think about. Think about an employee. I wrote an article recently, I have an article every other week in the local newspaper and I wrote one where I asked all of us to consider a scenario in which there was a person who was at work and that that workplace had become um, toxic. The environment was hostile. There was a lot of negativity. Um, There was a lot of gossiping and rumor mongering, which we should address. Uh, There was not a lot of affirmation very little understanding. There were uh, kind of a a bully-type personality in the workplace. Well, that becomes the status quo. So if I'm an employee or even a leader in that workplace, and I'm experiencing that environment, what happens to me living and working in that environment every day for 8, 12, 15 hours a day? It becomes a part of me, right? I internalize that, and it either becomes very stressful, or I begin to participate in it. Well, if it's stressful— then I end up going home to my spouse and my children, my family, my friends, your your church, synagogue, temple. Every encounter with anyone at the grocery or the post office, what was a work problem is now a problem with your life, because emotions are contagious. So, take that scenario writ large over the let's say, let's say thirty million people have experienced that. I'm sure the numbers are staggeringly beyond that, but let's just say 30 million in a country of what, 300 million. So 10%. If 10% of us have that experience, wouldn't we say that's enough of a problem to do something about it?
1: If 10% of us have the experience, then a hundred percent of us are going to experience yes. that
0: experience. Yes. It's true of all of us, some of the time and some of us all of the time. All the time. Yeah. So if my body was 10% racked with cancer, you know, I would need to be in treatment. Uh, and and hope for the best that it works, right? This is a, a problem, I think, in our culture, and I don't think that we're addressing it. And in fact, the people whom we have lifted up to be representative of us as leaders, not only on the political landscape, but morally, theologically, ethically, we're not getting a lot of, uh, of good role modeling. So who's going to address it? I think this is... Somehow become uh, your responsibility, Nathan. <laughs> fix, <laughs> fix that for us, would you?
1: <laughs> I believe it starts with one simple. I don't even want to. I don't even know how to word this without just getting berated. This is so sensitive, but it's so crucial to be mindful of. I think it starts with just being kind. Exactly, being Th- civil. It's not that. It's not that hard. It's really not that. Hard get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Put your big boy pants on. Stop being so sensitive to hey, uh it's none of your business. I feel this way. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. That they mean nothing to you. They're just frustrated that the si- the situation at hand isn't that they are feeling down and in the dumps and know their performance is lacking. Anyway, be kind to people.
0: Yes. Kindness respect, honor, civility is, I think, the word that I would use to encapsulate all of that. I think manners matter. I think it matters that we continue to open the door for one another. I think it matters that that we step aside and let people go in front of us. I'm totally fine leaving a crowded parking lot after some sort of event in a venue that's too small with all these cars. I'm totally fine if everyone would just let someone in in front of them. If we would just work together, what are we in such a hurry? Most of us, barring medical emergencies, most of us are simply going home, but we just want to be the first ones out. Why? Because we don't want to sit and wait. Why? Because we're not good at waiting. Why? Because we're entitled to thinking that we shouldn't have to wait. Why? Because we can't sit in the car with the family that we're with or friends and have conversation. What are we running to? Every time I go into a large metropolitan area, people are walking so fast. Like, where are they all going? I think you just get into this habit of like, I've got to get somewhere fast. Where are you gonna go well i'm gonna go uh, i'm going home what are you gonna do there well i'm just gonna, gonna sit and watch
1: thursday night football right it's that's really isn't that embarrassing people <laughs> to think about rushing just to rush
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 unusual
1: you brush your teeth to prevent cavities and to have promote health because of course plaque creates a lot of other issues heart whatever i'm not a doctor although yes i am
0: you play one on the podcast correct correct uh
1: you rush to rush you don't rush for any other reason
0: i think manners matter and i think rushing is impolite and i think civility is beyond politeness right because i think sometimes we have to tell the truth we just want to be able to tell the truth as we see it in a way that can be heard in a way that's kind also i think civility means that as you said a perfect point that we are we're less sensitive i think the the like most perfect way around that is to settle down on one simple rule, take nothing personally. Even if it's intended to be taken personally, don't do it. Because the minute somebody says or does something that I take personally, I've now given them power, which they may or may not have asked for or, or want. And when I do that, I've lost a sense of myself. There's the old saying that you know um, people can't make you feel a certain way uh, without your consent. I don't want to take things personally because I've just consented to allowing someone to have some degree of control over my emotional state, my emotional identity. I don't want to do that, that I'm me. I've got to take responsibility for me. You're you, you take responsibility for you. If you come at me with something and I'm like, Oh, that stings a little bit. Well, based on a relationship, I might say, Hey, are you doing okay? Cause I notice maybe, maybe things are a little edgy for you or uh, you seem a little down, just a little bit short because I love you. I bring that up to you, you know, and you would with me. But generally speaking, um, I think we need to let go of uh, of uh, a lot more than we hold on to. And I think we need to be very intentional and discerning about what we do decide to hold on to. I think it's time for us to kind of just let people be who they are. They're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. I don't need you to be a certain way. Let's just be together. But I'm not going to take it personally, which means I'm able to continue to extend to you courtesy and kindness and respect even if you're coming at me with something that in another mood I might have taken as as negative, I don't have to do that. So I get to continue to extend you civility. And then you get to continue to do that to me on your on better days. And I think we spiral upwards, however slowly, in that sense. I believe that this podcast deserves
1: a spa esque underlying soundtrack.
0: There are a couple of uh serious xm satellite radio channels that are dedicated to a spa-like ambiance
1: have you ever been to megan and i went to colorado beaver creek to be exact went to this incredible i don't know how you rate star spas apparently this was like a ford claps or hand high fi i don't know it was the most Amazing experience. I'm not one. I don't like being rubbed on. I hate it when you touch my neck. So just a heads up. If you come up, put your arm around me. Just don't touch my neck. I don't know what that is. But we went. And the spa experience that I had was amazing. I had to whisper because I'm in the spa mindset. Shh. Shh.
0: (laughs) What would happen if we offered a, a, a secondary podcast? With a different name and identity. And it was just silence.
1: (laughs) White noise. Just white noise.
0: What do you think it is about us that we don't like silence?
1: I don't know. When we go on death calls in the funeral world, of course, people pass away and the phone rings and you go. Most times it's two directors going or a director and their assistant and it never fails that when i'm at the steering wheel the person that's next to me i've been intentional about not speaking and they can't go 5 minutes yeah we but... always end up talking and it's fine i like talking to everyone it's uh, they wouldn't be employed here if i didn't enjoy you know their sure. them as people too but it's impossible why why are people scared of silence? Are they scared of their own they're scared of their own thoughts, aren't they?
0: I think we all of us are a little bit apprehensive about what we might encounter in silence. You know, there are things uh like silent retreats for people who are going to go away for a day, a couple of days, a week, maybe even longer and they'll literally not uh not to speak to anyone. There's the old joke about the monastery. Uh, it was a silent monastery. Maybe it was Carthusian. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Into Great Silence? It's a movie about the Carthusian monks, which is a completely silent order. And as you can imagine, it is a silent movie. There are a couple of interviews, but basically you're just watching monks do their thing. Well this one monk comes to lunch on the one day at the one meal time when they can actually say something and they're only allowed a couple of words and he says something kind of really crass to another monk and then a entire week passes and they come to that same day that same lunch period and the other monk ha- uses his, his two words to say something back to him and the third week at the same day at the lunch time the Abbott, the father of the monastery, comes and uses his, his three words, and he basically says, "You need stuff. y'all need to stop fighting." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But typically, yeah, we're not comfortable with silence. I think we're afraid of what we're going to encounter if we are. In my practice, sometimes silence is is exactly what's needed. It's a therapeutic uh, tool. It's a, a space for people to just be able to sit and be and and not not have to speak and maybe even not have to think. Which is why the, the you know meditation is so powerful too.
1: Do you know who is uh, a wonderful, phenomenal speaker and is very engaging? Is Matthew McConaughey, who's brilliant and one of his one of his uh, appearances? He's talking about how he would, after his fame, he achieved fame. He was trying to figure out who he was again. It's really I'm totally paraphrasing all this stuff, and he goes away uh, to some place and he's gone for 21. He does a 21 day cleanse of some sort. And it was his first time doing it after he achieved fame. And on his, he wasn't talking to people. He was going by himself. And on the 13th day, apparently he's like going nuts because he's not interacting with people. He only has his thoughts. He's realizing like all the mistakes he'd made and all the people he'd wronged and he'd stripped himself of everything. He says he's literally naked walking through the jungle Uh, Even took a ring off that his dad had given him. So like this is a big deal for him. Like, and he realized and he kind of fully accepted himself on the thirteenth or fourteenth day, Mm. and his life changed because of thirteen days of silence. Because he didn't know the people's language, he couldn't understand them anyway. So it was like, why am I even going to try to interact with you? So that's why he remained silent. And in that silence, he found himself.
0: Mm. I love that. I wonder what he found. I tell you, I do that exact same thing you just defined. I do that every day before breakfast. And um, it's, it's, an imp- <laughs> it's, an important, it's an important practice in all seriousness. I do think everyone needs to find her own way of accessing the parts of herself that she doesn't uh, shine a lot of light on in regular everyday life. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested in knowing how people do that. You know, across the board, uh, business leaders, especially those who function at, at, uh, at CEO, COO levels, these people tend to have uh, very regimented morning and evening routines. And those routines oftentimes do not include checking email and responding to texts and social media but entail things like silence, like meditation, some form of exercise, uh, a, a, a imbibing of tea or coffee, certainly water, because it's important to hydrate first thing in the morning, for sure. Uh, these practices, these morning and evening routines, have a way of giving uh, shape and life. They kind of frame up their day so that when it is time to check email and respond to texts and social media messages and make decisions and and go into the workplace and, and lead, they, uh, they've already given themselves the kind of time and energy and space that they need in order to uh, draw, uh, the resources required for the day. It's said that, uh, we have only a certain amount of energy for making decisions, uh, from a neurochemical, um, neurological perspective. And so, uh, people will oftentimes in high-level positions want to reserve that decision-making energy for later in the day. So, you know, you have Mark Zuckerberg who might wear a hoodie. You have uh, presidents who will have a blue suit or a black suit. They limit how many decisions they make early in the day so that they can reserve that decision-making energy for when it really matters. I'm not going to spend 30 minutes on what I want to wear. I'm going to have that already decided and I'm going to use that energy to, to make decisions that might be more critical. It was said that I think Albert Einstein
1: would not would have a lady help him walk to and from church because he couldn't remember how to get to and from because he said he didn't want to use his mind to remember that. He didn't want to fill his brain with that. That's intense. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe I'm, I didn't make that up. Someone told me that. I, I, I
0: kind of feel like our brains are are far more um, spacious than that because i've always heard you know we only use 10 percent of our brains and i th- i think we tend to think of our brains like these days like computers and we're going to run out of room and so we have to forget things in order to keep things but i really think that we have the capacity to remember far more than we allow ourselves
1: but i kind of could
0: believe that because based upon you in a previous
1: podcast i didn't know about you you are terrible with directions and it's you terrible. have to use the ohio river as north like you know
0: yeah i do
1: so i I guess it could be, it could be possible. Do you know what my routine is in the morning? I don't mind to tell my routine because it's exactly the same. About a year ago, everyone, um, in meetings with Dr. Carroll, I was, this is probably, no, it's two years ago, whenever I was first uh, purchasing funeral homes and acquiring rapidly and Trying to get these these policies procedures in place, and I was working nonstop. And he said, "Put your phone down in the morning. Do not touch your phone. Have meditation, prayer, whatever that is that you would call that for one hour." So I started getting up early, earlier. So I get up early. Get up about six thirty, sometimes seven, if the kids sleep in, and I, that is considered a gift. Six thirty, I go. I take a shower. I get dressed immediately. I mean, I go to the sock drawer, get my socks out. Get my belt. I have three belts. I pick the same belt every time. It's so ridiculous. Is They're it three black? black? Three mm. black belts. Yep. Go in there. Uh, go into the kitchen. Start the coffee. I do not touch my phone. My phone stays on the nightstand. It is just incredible. I think of nothing. I go make the coffee, put five scoops in, eight uh, cups of of, of John Conti uh, coffee brews from that. Perfect. And uh, then I go, and I've already ironed my shirt the night before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The shirt's ironed. That's it's smart. What color is my shirt? It's white. Every day. Every day. I have probably 15 to 20 white shirts. That is what I wear to work every single day. Mm -hmm. What color suits do I have?
0: Blue. Mostly
1: black sometimes. Gray. Occasionally. Gray Gray. as if I'm feeling really froggy, right? You
0: were feeling froggy the other day. I
1: did. I had a gray suit on. That's pretty wild. So I go and pick my suit on. At this point, the kids are up. They get 10 minutes of... Phone time to kind of wake up They get to watch their videos or whatever And then They listen uh, to our podcast They definitely listen at They listen to our podcast at night mm-hmm. They love the intro song And they know Dr. Carol's voice They know your voice They want to hear your voice It's doc- They say Dr. Carol When Brent sings That's Brent When Daddy <laughs> talks it, It's Daddy I think I'm getting off track. I don't even know where I'm at with the routine, but the routine is very regimented. And it's new for you, you were saying, and you've appreciated it. I do appreciate it. That's what I'm getting at. I I think that if you all who are listening really focus on a routine that does not involve technology, that involves being present, that involves little to no decision-making so that you can go and be effective in your workplace so you can go and hit the ground running. I wake up quicker. I am in a better mood. It's it's a very beautiful and simple approach at just kind of starting your days off right.
0: I think it's crucial that people have morning routines. You know, it's, it's funny, and we may have talked about this before, but how people will say, I'm not a morning person. And so it's like, alarm, snooze, snooze, snooze. Mine's every nine minutes, snooze. And I would love to sit here and say, I don't snooze. I absolutely snooze. But we shouldn't. What we should do is set our alarm for the time that we need to get up and get up. And we say we're not morning people because that's the story we've told ourselves. So all you have to do is set your alarm, let's say, 10 minutes earlier. Don't hit the snooze and get up. You do that for a week or so. Then the next uh, time, set it 10 minutes earlier. Now you have a net gain of 20 minutes. You do that over time. You've gotten yourself into a mode of getting up, let's say, 30 minutes earlier. And now you have your alone time you can read the paper, you can read a book, you can write in your journal, which I think is incredibly helpful to do. Uh, morning pages, five minutes of just letting that inner voice, uh, that inner critic have his or her say, and then put that off, turn that voice off, and then claim claim your day, claim your space, write about who you are and what you want to, uh, to accomplish that day. Uh, and then uh, maybe do a workout, uh, maybe have another cup of coffee, maybe just sit, meditate, listen to music. Uh, I would hesitate to say, you know, don't Get on your phone, don't turn on your iPad or your computer or your television or your radio or whatever. Are there still radios? I think so. I don't Car, know how to I, use them, though. No, I think cars have them. They do? I think so. Oh, okay. But in, nonetheless, <laughs> take time for yourself. Now, in full disclosure, I'm terrible at this. I picture you... Uh, this is
1: this is Dr. Carroll's um, morning routine, just so you know. I know this because I have... And I probably shouldn't say that. I was going to say I have cameras throughout, but I just, you wake up at like 4 a.m. You probably- <laughs> That's a felony, I think. I think so. I think that is a felony. I'm totally joking. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Carol wakes up probably, you wake up at
0: 5, 4. It's, you know, you have, have been, the weirdest sleep I've ever encountered. <laughs> I would like to say I wake up the same time every day and give myself that, all that stuff that I just said, and I get up, I go for a crisp morning run, I come back, I drink some water. No, no, it's not true. I uh, I tend to be more creative at night, but uh, my wife and I go to uh, sleep at the same time because that's a, a value to me, and I don't want to get up too early because it does disrupt her sleeping patterns. Cause she sleeps super lightly, and so I um, I I am devoid, I am grossly devoid <laughs> <laughs> of a morning routine, and I'm 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 owning that here publicly, because I think I need. I need to improve, and maybe this is the accountability push that I require. You need to improve. For someone who has encouraged me, Yeah, you need to
1: improve your morning routine.
0: I agree. I think I'd be healthier, and I think I'd be better. I think I wouldn't be huffing and puffing coming up the flight of stairs <laughs> to our studio if I would go out and, and walk or jog or, you know. A slight jog, yawg, yawging. I'm
1: jogging. <gasps> I don't know what that was. Who
0: knows? Well, I think that this, uh, we're learning constantly. This episode is a call for civility. Mm -hmm. And I think we do better being kind to others when we are kind to ourselves. And I think things like morning routines, manners, being exposed to uh, people like um, the example you gave uh, or authors, people who have uh, made good efforts at these types of things, I think we learn to be better for ourselves. And I think we end up being better to other people. Our levels of civility rise, our levels of resentment lower. I think workplaces improve. I think productivity improves, which means we retain some of those losses. I think even, I'll be as as daring as to say, I think that we can have an impact on uh, the role that depression plays if we would just be kinder. As my wife says to me sometimes when I'm in a funk or in a bad mood, she'll say, just be sweet to me. I think if we could just be sweet to one another.
1: Be sweet. Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to those you interact with. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. And um, we'll just uh, keep keep going every single day on this 10th episode of You'll Die Trying. I promise you, you will. And I know for a fact that, Dr. Carolyn, you can uh, test this, that uh, you, these people that listen are genuinely loved and appreciated. Yeah, and, um, and
0: we love hearing from you and when we run into you and you say something about uh, our podcast uh, we, it, it, it brings us life uh, because we know that we're not in this just the two of us we're in this together so thank you for letting us into your minds into your hearts into your lives we want to be civil to you so we can be civil to one another so on this 10th episode we will learn to be civil or at least we'll die
1: trying we will see you next week guys gals. thank you